Matthew chapter number 13, and we'll read verse number 45 and verse number 46. Have prayer, and then you can be seated. Matthew 13, and verse number 45. The Bible says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for what we've felt in this place already this morning, the singing, the testifying, Lord, the giving this morning. We ask you now to bless the preaching. I pray for that sinner nearest hell, God, that you'd save their soul. Put them under deep conviction even right now. May they see themselves lost and undone without God in need of a Savior. I pray for that backslider here this morning that's not right with you, God, that you would begin to speak to their heart and they would find an altar of repentance this morning and get right with you. We ask you now to bless the reading of thy word, get glory and honor, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want you to notice with me the first word. We mentioned it uh, the last time I preached the last parable uh, concerning the treasure in the field. It's the word again. And it's mentioned in verse 44, 45, in verse number 47, and other places in Matthew chapter number 13. And I would just simply say about that word this morning uh, that it represents repetition. And it represents a rule that Jesus is, is trying to, uh, to present before the, uh, the disciples in that day. And that rule is, uh, is that he's talking about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And what Christ is wanting to do is he's wanting to emphasize uh, uh, the fact that things or certain mysteries are revealed to those that know him and they're kept from those that do not know him. And then finally that is the results of this little word here is to remind them uh, uh, that there is a promise. Thank God I'm glad the Bible is filled with the promises of God. There is principle in this word and in this text here this morning. I'm glad as Christians this morning uh, we do not live by our own way or by our own thoughts or our own belief system but thank God we have principles that we live by and those principles were not, uh, uh, listen, uh, put together by man uh, uh, but they're principles out of the word of God this morning and so when we come to this text here this morning uh, Christ is going to emphasize some things here uh, concerning the pearl of great price and I want to preach a few minutes this morning on that subject on the parable of the pearl of great price. Amen. When we come to our text this morning, I'll give you four things and I'll give you these thoughts and then we'll be done. I want you to notice first of all, the Bible says again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man. And I want you to think about the mysterious person that we find in this text today, the merchant man. Think about the merchant man this morning, the mysterious person within this text this morning. I want us to consider his character this morning, who this man is. Uh, and I want us to think about his consistency this morning because this man is just like the man that we read about in verse number 44. This man, though, is not going out into the field. You know, much of Matthew chapter 13 has to do with the field. When you think about the sower and the seed, and you think about the wheat and the tares uh, and you think about the mustard seed and the branches uh, and you think about even that woman uh, that brought in uh, and she hid that uh, uh, she hid in, uh, in, hid in that uh, uh, meal there and all of it came from the field and then this treasure that is found out in the field all that is in relation to the nation of Israel but when you get to this parable here this is a merchant man and he's not going out in the field uh, this is a man that is found on 
on the seashore. This is a man that is found walking amidst the seashore and along the sea. I think about the master. I think about our Savior, the man from Galilee. I think about Jesus when he come walking out in the fourth watch of the night. When he walked when the billows was raging and he calmed the storm. I think about whenever John and Peter were out on that boat and the disciples and the Bible says and when the morning was now come, Jesus was standing on the shore. You say who is this merchant man? I'll tell you who this merchant man is. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's our Savior this morning and he's looking for someone and he's looking for something. That merchant man he's still looking today. You know that? He's still looking for someone today. You may be here this morning and say well preacher I just come by chance or circumstance. I didn't even know a week ago I was going to be in this church but things just happened and I just showed up. Well that may be in your world but it didn't happen that way in God's world. God knows the beginning and the end and he knows everything in between and nothing happens by chance or circumstance. God knew you'd be here on this day before you even knew you would be here. I'll just stop and tell you this. I'm glad that over 30 something years ago in a little old storefront building on a hot July summer morning, I went there that morning. Brother Laddie, I had absolutely no idea what was going to happen in my life, but there was an all-knowing and an all-seeing God. He knew that day would come before I ever got there. I'm not a Calvinist this morning, but I believe that God is sovereign and God is providential. And I'm glad there was an unseen hand that was working behind the scenes. I went to church that morning and the man of God preached on hell and I fell under old time conviction and realized I was going there and that I could not save myself. I want to tell you this morning, there's no doubt there's probably somebody here and you're going to the same hell that I was going to 30 something years ago. But as Brother Paul Harvey used to say, here's the rest of the story. Thank God I went to an old fashioned altar. I got on my knees and the best way I knew how, I cried out to God for mercy and he saved my never dying soul. And for 30 something years, thank God I've been able to pillow my head at night and know that if I never woke up again this side of eternity, eternity, thank God I'll meet you in the morning by the bright river side. There's no better feeling than knowing you've been saved by the grace of God. Hallelujah this morning. What about you? Amen. Thank God I still get excited about being saved. You say, preacher, calm down a little bit. Don't want to. Amen. I know it wouldn't fit the First Baptist Church in a lot of places, amen. It'd probably haul us out before the service was over with. But I tell you, if you'd have seen me before God found me, if you'd have knew me before grace met me, amen, if you'd have knew me before he pulled me out of the pit, you'd have never looked my way twice. But I'm glad that God came to where I was when the gulf that separated me was too far for me to cross. I'm glad he came to me and he lifted me out of the horrible pit and he set 
my feet upon a rock and he established my goings and put a new song in my mouth that'll sing praise unto our God. I don't sing the rock songs anymore. I don't sing the country songs anymore. I don't dance to their beat, thank God. And I don't want to, amen. I'm telling you, God put something in my soul 30-something years ago. It makes me want to sing Amazing Grace. Makes me want to go to the house of God. I tell you, if you still got the honky-tonk and if you still got the world's music down in your soul and if Amazing Grace doesn't thrill you and fill you, you've never been saved, friend, amen. You saw I had a religious experience. That doesn't mean anything. Is that right this morning? I tell you, you better make sure you got new life on the inside. I didn't get saved because I cried. I didn't get saved because I went to an altar. I didn't get saved because I shed tears. I didn't get saved because my stomach was in knots, and it was. I didn't get saved because I had a lump in my throat. There's a lot of people got saved, never had any of that. I'm telling you, listen, salvation's not based on a feeling. It's based on a fact, amen? And the facts was I was a lost ball in high weed. And the facts was I was dead in my trespasses and sin. The facts was I going to hell and could not save myself. Oh, but the facts was that Jesus a long time ago, he went to a hill called Calvary and the facts is he died and he was buried and he rose again and the facts is that I trusted the word of God and the facts is the word of God will never fail you. Hallelujah. I put my faith not in myself, not in my experience, not in what happened, but in what God said. I want to tell you this morning, if you've trusted the word of God, you're a new creature. The 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is. Not that he was or he will be. He is a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm trying to move on, but I'll just tell you this. If there's something new about you, it's in you. Amen. Listen, God will put it want to. He'll put a desire in your heart. Hey, won't nobody have to beg you to go to church. Hey, won't nobody have to hunt you down to get you to go to the house of God. If you're saved, there's a desire. And if you get away from God and get out of church, God will remind you every single day that you live that you belong to Him and that He is yours and yours you are His. You may get out there and you may enjoy sin, but you'll never enjoy sin after you get saved like you enjoyed it before you got saved. And this crowd that can't wait to get away from church and get out there in the world, they've never been saved. They've never been born again. I'm telling you this morning, you say, Preacher, why would you preach that way? Because it may be the last sermon I ever preach or it may be the last sermon you ever hear and I'm telling you this morning if you're lost may God pull the scales off your eyes and you see yourself a sinner in need of a savior this morning I wonder how many people in this building this morning's lost you run from God but you can't hide I'm telling you God will go everywhere you go and I'll tell you this morning if you're lost without God you better get in before while you can because God may shut the door on you. You say no to God. God will let you go to hell. I'm telling you, freedom, you may go to hell tonight if you don't get saved. You may go to hell before the sun sets this afternoon. You better listen to what I'm saying. You better come to God. Swallow that pride. Humble yourself this morning. See yourself in need of a Savior. You say, preacher, I don't want to live for God. There's no desire in me to live for God. That's because you're lost. And friend, five seconds in hell, all the 
pleasures of this world, all the possessions this world had to offer, all the pride you can muster up. You'll feel like a fool, such a fool, to burn for all eternity in a Christless pit, knowing that you could have been saved. Amen. I feel an overwhelming burden this morning at these people in our midst. You're going to hell today. What's it going to take to wake you up? I tell you, I, won't, I wouldn't do this. Now, if the Holy Ghost told me, I'd do it. But I wouldn't do this unless the Holy Ghost told me to do it. I would, but if I, if I thought that coming to your seat and begging you to get saved would get you saved this morning, I'd come to your seat. But I'm telling you this morning, the truth is if God can't get you to come to this altar, then me coming to your pew, and I'm going to tell you, there's people been saved that way. I'm not, I'm not defaulting that. Thank God for preachers that were led by the Holy Ghost to go to somebody's pew and them get saved. I'm just telling you, I don't feel led this morning to do that. But I'll tell you, if you're lost and the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart this morning, friends, you better get in while you can. You think God is just going to let you make your mind up when you're going to get saved? You think God who gave His Son to die on the cross for your sins is going to let you decide when you're going to get right with Him? Oh no, friend, that's not how this works. You need to go home and read Proverbs chapter number 1. You need to go home and read of the book of Isaiah. I'm telling you this morning, it's a whosoever will gospel, but it is not a whensoever will gospel. You get saved when the Holy Ghost puts you under conviction and shows you that you're lost and shows you that you need to be saved. That's when you get born in the family of God. Amen. How about it this morning? There's an echo up there, brother, and I don't want the devil to get into anything this morning. You start preaching about people getting saved, he'll get in a sound system, he'll get in the heat and the air. I'm just going to serve notice on him this morning. Amen. Hey, how about it, sinner? You got too much pride to come to the pew or to the altar? You worried about what people's going to think about you? Well, I'll tell you, saved people's going to rejoice with you. Everybody in this church is saved is going to be happy you came to the altar. Hey, listen to me. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you need to come while you can. What are you going to do if your heart stops beating or you, stop, you draw your last breath before the invitation's given? You say, you're trying to scare me. No, I'm trying to warn you this morning. You're not promised another heartbeat. You're not promised another breath this side of eternity. You're not promised another second in life. Neither am I. The Bible said in Hebrews 9 and verse 27, it's appointed a man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. I want you to know this merchant man here. I want you to see this mysterious person. He's a person, my friend, that's knocking on your heart's door right now uh, telling you come and be saved. Come now and let us reason together saith the Lord. Uh, come. He said uh, unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Uh, old sinner you're a restless soul. Uh, you can't find no peace in eternity. You can't find no peace down here uh, uh, but if you'll come to Jesus Christ uh, if you'll put your faith and your trust in him uh, you can be saved by the grace of God. Now why do some people that's lost not get saved? Hear me this morning. Some people that are lost don't get saved because they're ignorant. They've never heard the gospel. They've never been told the gospel, so they don't know that they need to be saved. And they don't know how to be saved. But why is it some people that are lost that have heard the gospel and know what it means to be saved, why do they not get saved? 
I'll tell you why, son. Because of their pride. They have too much pride to come to an altar and they let pride send them to hell. Some, it's because of riches. They love the things of this world more than the things of God. And so therefore, they trade their eternal soul for money, for fame, for fortune, and for popularity. And they die and go to hell without God. Hell is full of famous people this morning. Hell is full of rich people this morning. Hell is full of prideful people this morning. But why is it some people don't get saved? I'll tell you why. It's because of pleasures. Amen? Let's just be honest. There's some people, they hear the gospel and they know they need to be saved. They know they're under conviction. They know the Holy Spirit's dealing with their heart, but they love their sin too much. There's things that they're doing that they're just not willing to give it up and they know if they get saved, they know that God is going to bring them out of the sinning business. I want to tell you, friend, if you're a sinner here this morning and you're letting popularity or pride or prestige or possessions or pleasure keep you from coming to Christ five seconds in hell and I'll tell you, you'll look back and all the pleasure you had on earth my friend will not be worth all the torment you're going to experience when you die without God and go to hell. Hang on to your sin and let it send you to hell. You'll burn for all eternity and then in a lake of fire you'll burn without God and you'll have every single day in eternity and to think about the opportunity you had to come but you spurned the invitation you told God no and the end result is you died without him you realize this morning that there are people that would absolutely love to trade places with you in eternity they would give everything that they owned in this life and then some to set through one more sermon have one more invitation, one more opportunity. In fact, they wouldn't even wait this morning for an invitation. You know what they would do? They would come and they would be saved. They would come and they would trust Christ this morning. I see uh, the mysterious person. And then I want you to notice, uh, uh, the, uh, the ma- I want you to see here this magnificent pearl in verse number 45. The Bible said that this mysterious man, this merchant man, he's seeking for goodly pearls. Uh, uh, but notice what he finds in verse 46. Uh, Who when he hath found one pearl of great price. Amen. You know the pearl of great price represents the church. Isn't that right? that's we that are saved and in Matthew chapter 13 Jesus is reminding us that in the kingdom age the church is not forgotten and the church is not lost amen while that earthly Jerusalem will be here and Christ will sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem and Jerusalem will be the capital of the world and Israel will be the nation that all other nations look to and Christ will be their king that heavenly Jerusalem will hover over that earthly Jerusalem And that is a gift to the church, the bride of Christ, uh, the great pearl of great price. Uh, And when we come to this text here, here's a merchant man uh, looking for goodly pearls. Uh, But in verse number 46, what happens? He finds uh, a pearl of great price this morning. That's the church. That's you and I this morning. The, fact, the Bible talks about the foundation of that city in Revelation chapter 22. He talks about all the uh, talks about the, the walls of Jasper. And he talks about all those foundations. And in them were written the names of the 12 apostles. But what about the gates of that city? The Bible said there were 12 gates. Three on the east, the west, the north, the south. And the Bible said every gate is a pearl. Not that they are pearly gates made of pearls. But every gate 
is of one pearl. You know why that is? Because in our text here, he found how many pearls? One pearl of great price. And my friend, that pearl represents the church. That new Jerusalem, that heavenly city that John saw coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for a husband, uh, that represents a gift uh, uh, given to that bride. The church uh, will not pass through the gates of that city that what will not be reminded by the very gate itself uh, where God brought us from and what God did for us. You see, my friend, in the, uh, we know that a pearl, how that a pearl is made is that there's a, uh, there's a uh, listen, there's a, an oyster has to have uh, uh, some kind of, uh, uh, of infliction that's taken place on the inside uh, and secretion overlays that, uh, that wound of that oyster and it keeps overlaying it and overlaying it until finally it makes a pearl and the greater the pearl uh, means the greater the infliction that was made uh, and the Bible says here that this merchant man found a pearl of great price uh, he found a great pearl amen you know why that is uh, because Christ uh, was a Afflicted like no man had ever been afflicted before. He paid the price uh, and he died a death like no man had ever died. Uh, he was a supreme sacrifice. Uh, he gave his life uh, and he died a ransom from many. And we that are saved this morning, you know what we are? Uh, we're that great pearl uh, that he found. Thank God. Uh, I'm glad he found me. Amen. I'm glad he found you that are saved. Uh, I went looking for him. But the truth of the text is uh, long before I was looking for him, uh, thank God he was looking for me. Amen. You see, when you find somebody that you've been looking for, uh, most of the time they weren't looking for you. Amen. Uh, but every now and then, you know what happens? Uh, you run into somebody and you're looking for them and they're looking for you. The only difference is neither one of you know where that person is. Uh, uh, but the one that came looking for me, uh, thank God he knew exactly where I was. Uh, and the one that came looking for you, uh, he knew exactly where you you was and hallelujah he found me amen I'm glad praise God that salvation says I once was lost but now I'm found hallelujah doesn't it feel good to be found this morning I'll tell you what's so good about being found is when you've been lost I mean brother if you've never been lost you've never been found years ago I read a track about a man that was lost in the wilderness. I think it was in Washington uh, State somewhere. He had been lost for six days out there in that wilderness. And finally some rescuers found him. And when that man, when they found that man, they said, they, they said that when they brought him uh, back to his family, when he brought him back, uh, uh, back to civilization, they said the, the glow on that man's face uh, uh, could be told by everyone. You know what was wrong or what had happened to him? Uh, he was overwhelmed. He was overjoyed because he was lost. Uh, he had no hope. Uh, it looked as if he was going to die in the state that he was in. Uh, uh, but when they found him, thank God, uh, and brought him back from where he used to be it overwhelmed him so much that they could see it on his face I'll tell you that's the way it is when a sinner that's been dead and lost in their sins when they get found thank God you can look at them and you can see the joy of the coming from the inside I want to say this morning thank God thank God thank God I'm glad I know what it is to be found by the Lord Jesus Christ this morning and I see a magnificent pearl. And I see a mysterious person. But then I want you to notice this morning 
a meaningful price. The Bible says here that he went and he sold all that he had. Just like the man in the field sold all that he had. The merchant man sold all that he had. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus died for the Jew and the Gentile, didn't he? He paid the same sacrifice for the nation of Israel that he paid for the Gentiles. And this morning, when I think about this sacrifice, I think about the sum of this sacrifice. Because the Bible says here, notice this, that he sold all that he had. This man sold everything he had for this great pearl, for this one pearl. And you think about this morning that Jesus gave his all this morning for you to be saved. I never want to get used to the fact that Jesus died for me. I never want to get used to the fact that he died on the cross for my sins and for your sins. He didn't give some of his life. He gave all of his life. Uh, he gave every drop of blood that he had. I know it would have only, somebody said, well, it would have only took one blood, drop of blood to save our soul. I can understand the theology behind that. I can understand that there's power enough in the blood and one drop of blood to save every sinner. Uh, but I don't believe that this morning personally, uh, that, it owned, that he only had to give one drop to save us. I believe it took every bit of his blood. Amen. And listen, the, their blood is powerful enough that one drop could wash our sins away. But if that would be true, Jesus could have just pricked his finger and he could have shed that drop of blood and every sinner could have been saved. But I'll tell you, the life is in the blood. And what they did at Calvary, when they pierced his hands and his feet and his side, Jesus poured out everything. He gave it all, friend. He didn't give a portion of it. He gave every bit of his blood. I don't believe one ounce of blood was left in his veins to listen to just be there. And I don't believe an angel took it and put it on the mercy seat. But thank God he, through the eternal spirit, offered up his own blood. He became our high priest. Why? Because he was our supreme sacrifice. And thank God he shed all of his blood. And he put every bit of it on the altar in heaven. And he satisfied the altar in heaven. I'm going to tell you if you want to know where the blood is uh, every drop of it is on the mercy seat and when he looks down thank God uh, he don't see me uh, but he sees the blood of the Lamb of God it's fresh blood and thank God it's forgiving blood it's powerful blood it is saving blood it's eternal blood it's as fresh this morning as it was the day at Calvary and hallelujah if you'll trust the blood you can be saved this morning do you know that today? Do you know that you're saved this morning? Have you put your faith in Christ, the mysterious person, the magnificent pearl? Then I want to say the meaningful price. But finally, notice the matchless pleasure. As the Bible said that he bought it. You know, I can see that man. And... I don't know the size of that pearl. But I can see that man. He took and emptied everything he had. And maybe the person he bought it from thought, man, he's going to give all for one pearl. But to him it was a great price. You know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? 
He knew the value of what that pearl was going to be. And Christ knows the value of what you and I can be today. And I can see him as he makes his journey back home. He's not walking home sad. And he's not walking home empty-handed. You know what? He got what he paid for. He got what he purchased. And he's walking home glad. I'll tell you, he's still looking for some pearls this morning. He's still looking for some jewels today. You know, a pearl cannot be separated. If you try to divide the pearl into other pearls, you ruin the pearl. Because a pearl is one. And this morning, though we are made up of many, you cannot divide the church. We are His this morning. Thank God we're a part of the church. The bride. We're His pearl this morning. And one day when Christ returns, guess what? He's bringing that pearl with Him. He's bringing that price with Him. He's bringing that bride when He comes back. When Christ comes, He's not coming empty-handed. Revelation 19, that army's coming with Him. And we're clothed in fine linen. Hey, we're coming back white and clean, praise God. We're coming back with the captain of our salvation. We're coming back with a merchant man. And the whole world is going to see the treasure that's hid in the field over there in Jerusalem as Israel comes forth out of the plains of Megiddo. But they're also going to see coming from glory. Thank God. They're going to see that pearl. Amen. They're going to see what Christ Christianity is all about. Uh, they're going to see what being a part of the church and the bride. Oh, the church, it doesn't look like much today. Uh, we're scattered all about this world along the sides of the road uh, and sinners drive by church houses every week uh, and they never think about the church. Uh, uh, but thank God on that day, uh, we're coming back as one army. We're coming back as one people. We're coming back as one bride uh, and we're coming with the bridegroom. Thank God. Uh, we're coming for a honeymoon. I'm uh, the child of this world uh, and won't it be wonderful when the world sees the church for who she really is this morning. Now here's a question and I close with it. Are you in this morning? Are you out? I can tell you in five seconds how to know if you're saved. You say, how do you know that? Because if you're in the church, you belong. You want to be here. I'm not saying people can't backslide. But they're never, ever going to find peace out there like they found in here. You know why some people leave the church and never look back twice? Because they were never in it to begin with. They were never in it. You know why some people can take it or leave it? Are they so, I go to church, you know, I go to church every now and then. I went to church some. I believe, I believe people ought to go to church when they can. But you'll hear them say things like, I'm just not a big church goer because they never got in it. Amen. You see, when I, brother, I, brother Ricky, I got a family member that, that they, you know, now they ain't been to church in 30 years. I mean, they go everywhere else and they, 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 don't, have, they don't have a desire to go to church. But they told me about their, when they got saved when they was nine years old. Yeah, I got those family members too. And I'm praying they get born again. Because you can't take one place in that Bible and show me where when a person gets in the family of God, they never have a desire to be a part of the family of God. When you get saved, there's a desire. I'm telling you this morning, you could burn my house. You could take our cars. You could take everything I own. 
But I don't want you to take the church away from me this morning. I tell you, I, that house, I can find another place to live. If I, had to, if I had to ride a bicycle the rest of my life, I probably need to, but don't want to. But if I had to, I could get by. If I had to walk, I could get by without a car. But I need the church. I got into church about 36 years ago. 35 years ago. And I've had a desire to be in the church ever since. In fact, when I get older one day, if God lets me live to be gray-headed, if my body begins to fail and deteriorate, as long as I can put one foot in front of the other, as long as somebody will help me get to church, I want to go. I want to go. And I don't just want to go for Easter and, and Mama's Day and Papa's Day and, and all that. I don't want, Brother Laddie, you're with me, aren't you? I don't want to just go when, I ha- when people have to go. No, no, no. I want to go Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. You know, I'd go to a baby shower if them women had let me. I'd even bring a gift. I just want to be around the church. That's what salvation will do for you. It puts you in the church. Brother, there's a lot of people today, they don't need the church because they've never been in it. I've seen people, as soon as they got old enough, they get out of church. They've seen people, they'd get in for a little while, five or six, seven years down the road, they did the church thing. You know, they got in, they did the church thing, and now you can't find them. Now, boy, they're out there drinking and partying and living it up and you guess what? They're having a time of their life. Brother David Cape, you could testify to this. I've heard you testify about it. You got away from God for some time. How did you feel every day you was away from church? I knew you was going to say that. I knew that was the word going to come out of his mouth. Miserable. And I'm going to tell you something. You could see it, couldn't you? People could take a look at him. Until he was miserable. Brother Sean, how did you feel when you got out of church? Brother Terry, how about it? Same. When people are saved, can they get out of church? Yeah, but they're never going to have enjoy life. What about these people? I tell you, this morning, there's probably five people at least. Probably at least five people this morning. You're counting as witnesses against you right now. I'm not going to come to you. But I'm telling you, you're countless witnesses against you. And you know as well as I do, if you died right now, you'd go to hell. There ain't nothing in you to want to go to church, live for God. And I want you to know this morning, I love you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't preach to you this way to be mean to you. I just want to do anything the Lord had let me do to try to help you get wake up this morning. Friend, you're going, you're going to go out of here you love your sin too much to get saved. And your sin's going to take you to hell is what it's going to do. You better get in while you can. You better get in. You got your pride. Your pride's going to send you to hell this morning. Father, I ask you this morning. Lord, I don't know anybody's soul, but I, I see people in trouble this morning. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I can't, but... Maybe I'm wrong, but there's some people in trouble this morning. 
Holy Spirit, please help them to be honest, not to lie to themselves and not to deceive themselves. Help them to be honest and help them to come and be saved as we stand this morning. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed as she plays softly. If you know you're lost this morning, would you come? Would you come this morning? Would you come and be saved? If you know you're lost, would you come? He'll save you. He'll change you. He'll put a want to. He'll put a desire in your heart. He'll give you a desire to want to serve God, to live for Jesus. That's right. That's right. God bless you. Maybe somebody else needs to come this morning. How about it this morning? Christians are praying. How about it, Senator? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. You know if you're lost this morning. What's it going to take? You're going to trade your sin for your soul. You're going to trade your pleasures for all eternity in hell. Is that the trade you're going to make this morning? God will not force you to be saved. If you want to go to hell, He'll let you go with your eyes wide open. How about it this morning? I wonder if there's a sinner here. You need to come and be saved. If you'll come, somebody will pray with you in this altar. If you'll take that first step, I want you to come. We're going to sing a verse. I tell you, let's sing a verse of that just as I am this morning without one plea. This morning, if you're lost, I want you to come and accept Christ this morning. Would you do that?